Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is an empathic medium? What does that kind of jarring empathy do to your relationships with other people? What does it do when you're invited aboard UFOs? Hello and welcome to the 959th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno coming to you from WON, AM and FM radio here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island on the Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live on YouTube and via TuneIn.com. I'm Ben and those shape-shifting questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures and dad, Paul. And if you'd like to communicate with us today, the phone number is 401-766-1240 from anywhere or you can email Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com. Valerie LaFossa was an empathic medium, a Reiki master teacher, a paranormal and UFO investigator, and the author of the Tangled Web of Friends Young Adult Paranormal Fiction Series. She has appeared on our show many times as a guest and as a panelist, and even a special guest co-host. Valerie is also a contributor to our forthcoming book, Behind the Paranormal 3, Uneasy Skies, coming next year. Check out her Facebook page at facebook.com slash Valerie LaFasso. So, Valerie LaFasso, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Oh, it's always always great to have you with us, Valerie. And apparently this is the, the second time in six months, so congratulations. <laughs> Very it's, cool. <laughs> it's not years. It's <laughs> yeah. we, we have a couple of guests coming up who haven't been on in ten years. Wow. So... So I mean, it's it's a great accomplishment. So I guess we'll we'll just hop right into it. Um, so what is an empathic medium, and how did you find out that you are one? So an empathic medium is a person who is sensitive to the energies of everything in our world. Um, everything I think most people will agree everything gives off some sort of energy, and we are susceptible to feeling that energy at any given moment, um, and it tends to affect us in a deeper way than it does other people. Um, I first heard the term, God, it was probably 15 years or so, and it was on that lovely show, The Most Haunted, out of the UK. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the one of the mediums that they used on the show was talking about somebody who was an empath and he started describing what that meant and it just kind of lit up my world because I went oh my god there's a reason why I feel this way all the time Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's how I learned about it well we excuse me we have a couple of questions from listeners coming in already uh here's one actually two from Peter our good friend in Bogota Colombia Ben, if you would. Sure thing. And Peter writes to us. um, Please ask Valerie, can you share one of your most interesting field investigations? Hmm. And I might add to that. You know, (laughs) see um, how your empathic medium abilities uh, were a factor in that case. Yeah, you know, they've... They've always been a factor. It's just the, my level of understanding has definitely changed over the years. You know, when I first started investigating, I knew I was an empath, but I didn't really understand how that worked with intuition and how I could use that on investigations. Um, so I would say probably one of the most fun investigations to kind of answer Peter's question. And hi, Peter, by the way. Um, I went with... Um, 
the investigative team of Andy Kitt, Mike Stevens, and the, the medium on the team at the time, Isabeau Esby, to Rolling Hills Asylum out in East Bethany, New York, which I think a lot of people have heard of and been to. Um, and I learned a lot about my intuition out there. I was picking up on the thoughts of the people around me, and I didn't know it until our medium validated that for me later on um, as we walked around. Um, so that was that was really interesting, and we definitely encountered a few odd things in that location, including a spirit that was hanging out in the corner of a room that jumped Andy, um, kind of tried to attach itself to Andy. Somehow I, I, I know Andy, too. Somehow I can't <laughs> quite picture that. But who won? <laughs> um, Andy did with help from the medium. Oh, well. <laughs> So he didn't do it by himself is what we're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we all need help. We do. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, interject before the next uh, listener question. Uh, <clears throat> how do I put this? Do you um, have the same empathic connections with people who most people consider to be dead? I mean, we, we consider them to be living in parallel realities, that, but that's mm-hmm. us. Uh, and people who are, you know walking around next to you? Um, Sometimes. um, I think it really depends on the person, whether Hmm. living, dead, parallel, or not. Um, And I'm definitely a lot more on board with the parallel realities um, concept now than I was, but I still think that based on what I feel, the energetic signature is just a little bit different depending on what I'm picking up on, um, mm. such as, you know, when what I believe is a deceased loved one. That feels different than an ET. I have had extraterrestrials show up in kind of like an energetic form. They feel different. Um, I've, I think I've been encountering a lot more I don't want to, I don't know how to how to phrase it but the where where it's a thin layer of something where we can kind of encounter those other places um, that feels different as well yeah, I don't know if I'm explaining phys- myself uh, right <laughs> physics would call it a membrane okay mm-hmm. yeah oh well, anyway. yeah Okay, uh, we have another question. We do, and uh, Peter kind of pivots a bit, pivoting Peter. He pivots into, uh, what is your creative process for developing and writing paranormal fiction? Um, Great question. Thank you for asking that, Peter. Um, Lately, it's just been very intuitive. I kind of put it out there, who wants to tell a story and see what comes to me? Um. I've, I've always been a fairly intuitive writer. You know, when I get stuck, you know, I'll go, okay, you know, how do I, how do I next move forward? And I just kind of take a step back, take a deep breath, and see if anything flows. If nothing flows in that moment, I'll walk away, and I will meditate or go for a walk or do something that kind of quiets that human side of the brain and allows the other stuff to come through. Um, and once, once I get hit with that next piece of inspiration, it tends to flow from there. Okay. Hmm. Now we have, uh, two questions from Phil. Now, Phil 
is a show reporter, one of our official reporters, but he has moved uh, out of um, the Litchfield Triangle area. He used to report regularly from there, and we're looking forward to reports from his new uh, domain, which I believe is North Carolina. So oh, wow, that's a jump. Well, as you know, the whole planet's haunted, as John. Well, I guess it's a good point. Yeah. Something going on. There. Well, going from you know middle of nowhere to Connecticut to to I guess middle of nowhere North Carolina. Not no, really no, a difference. I guess maybe just the temperature. I'd like to think that he he lives in the mountains in a secluded existence. We're gonna get in trouble. Read the question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not not trying to not trying to get you in trouble, Phil. Anyway, uh, so Phil writes to us, uh, Valerie. What is your take on quote unquote dead people? Uh, who speak to you. Are you comfortable with Paul and Ben's view that these entities are not dead at all, but very much alive and there are other physical realities, question mark? You know, I don't have a great answer for that. I can say that I have a lot of evidence to support the idea that at least some of them have a consciousness that is associated with the life that we are currently living because they answer questions for people for their loved ones that make sense to them in this current reality. Um, I think I said a little bit earlier, um, I am definitely more on board with your theory now than I was probably a couple years ago based on some personal experiences that I've been having. Um, And I want to know more. I want to ask questions of the energy that I'm feeling to find out where is it coming from, what is the purpose and that that kind of thing. I just haven't had the right scenario to ask the right questions to get more information on that. So I, I don't have a great answer, but I'm looking for more answers, if mm. that helps. As we all are. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to share a little note from Phil here. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm sure I he wouldn't that. mind. Oh, no, no. It's not a question. Uh, I recently moved to Savannah, Georgia. Oh, so oh, not oh, North oh. Carolina. Okay. Well, if I read a little further, I would have had my, my questions answered. And that's not, not the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, where there is a large paranormal presence, but everyone here seems to have the 19th century spiritualism mindset uh, that one would see at Lilydale. I would like to change that. Well, he's on a crusade. More power to you. That's also the home, uh, Savannah, of, of our dear friend, Murray Silver, mm. uh, who is an uh, absolutely unique person and uh, someone we've had on the show and we'll have back very soon. He always gave me the same vibe as, as uh, John Hammond from uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah, very powerful kind of presence, yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, uh, now some of our own questions. Now, Valerie, what's the difference between a regular medium and an empathic medium? Um, so a regular medium is going to be talking to who they believe is the, the dead guy. It's, you know, so they're communicating more verbally or, you know, through hearing and seeing what they believe is the spirit, whereas an empath is feeling it. Um, so I will feel the energy, and I have to then translate it into messages. Um, it's very rare that something comes through audibly or visually, if that makes sense. Hmm. What are the kinds of mediums? I guess the plural is media are there. <laughs> New York Times, Washington Post. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, there's all different ways to sense the energy you know some are stronger visually some are stronger hearing things um some are really good with like holding an object and getting information off the object um you know it's all about figuring out where your strengths are and and how to utilize them what's the difference between a medium and a psychic um 
a medium is going to be dealing more with conscious energy of like souls, departed ones, you know, loved ones. Um, whereas psychics are getting more like information similar to um, doing card readings, doing psychometry, um, you know, getting information about future events, you know, that type of thing. It's it's more information from the physical world as opposed to the spirit world. Okay, now um, I want to preface this next one by saying you're a dear friend. We've known you for many years, uh, and we expect to be working uh, <laughs> with you more on the show, etc. But uh, So you're an exception to this, but it seems that so many mediums who are advising people and psychics too about their lives have their own personal lives an absolute mess. What say you about that? I completely agree with that. Um, you know, I mean, I think in reality, if you look at everybody, everybody's a mess to some extent. You mm. know, I think... You're a mess, um, That's, Hey, I'm well aware of that. <laughs> you know, but I mean, you look at therapists. A lot of therapists are trying to help people and their own lives are a mess. Oh, that's so um, true. You know, I think mediums want so badly to help people that they forget to take care of themselves, and then they end up in a place where, you know, their lives are kind of crumbling around them. And I know for me, it's it's a lot of work to, to balance and to really have good boundaries to know, you know, if I have somebody that comes to me for help, I may not be in the position to help them because I might need to take care of myself. It's really hard to say no to people that need help. Mm, yeah, and I, yeah. th- I think you know a lot of mediums can get themselves in trouble that way. Yeah, uh, Ben, I'm monopolizing the questions here. Oh no, no, no worries. I, uh, I, 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 you're you're eager, you're ready to go, and which is fine with me. At my age, that's pretty cool because that allows me <laughs> to to write things down and kind of okay capture little snippets of information. So I guess I'll, I guess we'll start here. So here's here's a we're gonna take a, I'm gonna pivot this slightly. Um, is there a difference? I'm not gonna say is there a difference, but what is the difference? between being an empath versus empathy? Well, everybody on the planet has the ability to have empathy. Mm -hmm. Um, An empath is a person who just very, very naturally can put themselves into another person's shoes, you know, without even thinking about it most of the time. Um, You know, so we're utilizing empathy, but it's not a sole characteristic of what what an empath can do. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the, now there's there's a really interesting. Um, I, I've 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 learned a lot about very interesting psych- psychological stuff on the side, and there there was an there was this sort of it was a, there was an argument that was made, not necessarily saying I agree, but I'm going to present it and see how you feel about it, because um, I, I I tend to think psychology can kind of be hit or miss a lot of the time, um, but that's just my opinion. Anyway, that um, sort of. Sort of hyper hyper empathy, we'll call it. You know, be, being an empath is is essentially a survival mechanism from being in a traumatic environment, right? So let's say you know you have a tough relationship with a parent or you know an authority figure or or something like that, and so you become hyper aware and hyper sensitive of any sort of change, any sort of tick, 
and you can kind of like sense a, a change in mood or, or or something like that. So you end up walking around eggshells and things like that. So so the the argument that that was presented in this particular book I was reading was that um, the the ability of of being sort of empathic comes as a, as a survival mechanism. Is that something that would be a dimension of of how you would view being an empath, or or is it kind of just like missing the mark? So in my experience, so I've, you know, you guys have, like you said, we've known each other for a long time, and we met through the KRI Center that closed down in 2019. Uh, rest in peace. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Eight years ago, I started doing an empath support gathering mm-hmm. at the KRI Center, which I still do um, to this day. I do it an online version, and I do it in now at the library in Epping, New Hampshire. Um I would say, first of all, I believe that empaths are born as empaths. I don't think they are created. Mm. Um, I will say that a lot of the empaths that have come to my group have had trauma, um, but it looks like there was trauma that shut them down, and then a second trauma later on that then reawakened their search and realization, awakening to, you know, the fact that they are an empath. Um, However, I've noticed a trend that the younger generations don't have that, Um, Hmm. meaning the younger generations of empaths, the younger people, like, in their 20s. They tend to be raised by the, the empaths that had trauma, and therefore they're raised in a completely different way with awareness that, we didn't have the the older empaths, and I may look young, but I, I do consider myself an older empath at this point. <laughs> um, you know, so I don't think that trauma creates empath. I do think it's a part of many empaths' lives. Mm. That's a good, that's a good answer. I like that. W- one of the uh, di- distinctions the audience might want to know about would be the difference in, in words and meaning between sympathy and empathy. And I've always thought of sympathy as uh, feeling um, for someone. You know, you feel sorry for them or, 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 you know, you're sympathetic. And empathy as feeling with someone, actually sharing the trauma or or the good things or whatever. Uh, Would you want to say anything about that? Maybe add to it at all? Yeah, I would add that, you know, sympathy, like you said, is, is very much, you know, feeling feeling for somebody, whereas empathy is, I think, is looking at it without your own personal feelings involved. Hmm, okay. I'm thinking of an ancient Star Trek episode, The Empath, from the 60s series. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could relate to that, Dad. But I yeah, well, I know. Well, I, I'm uh, probably. I'm sure I'm the oldest here, so <laughs> uh, you can look it up. It was very interesting. You know, the poor woman just just took on, uh, probably in a more extreme fashion than actually occurs, uh, the feelings and problems of others. And actually, she would heal people by taking on the, their diseases, things of this kind. It's something we've heard about, but I'm sure that's mm-hmm. not as. Far. Do you go that far? You don't take out not, people, yeah. You know. Not anymore. I not have. anymore. You used I to. I mean, well, being an empath, you have to be very careful 
of not taking on too many people's energies because if you don't manage it and take responsibility for your own energy, you will end up drained, completely drained, which leads to depression and physical illness. Well, that's a good point. Um, so you have to be very, very careful of that. It's funny. Just uh, I don't want to talk about me, but, but except for a minute, the um, Ben and I had a, a publicist a uh, number of years ago whom we're still friends with, love her dearly, but she was determined to turn me into a psychic. All right, She had represented John Edward. And, yeah, I mean, we all have a certain amount of that, but, but <clears throat> she said, just try it. And so I always said, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, I, and I, a couple of friends of hers uh, came to me, and uh, I, I would put myself, you know, from our point of view, where I was them in the multiverse someplace. It was overwhelming. I could not deal with it. I had their fears, the, all, all their hopes. You know, the, the, I knew every. It was awful. It was way too intimate. And uh, yeah, I'd rather kind of stick with the books and in the trenches. Uh, you know, with with that kind of thing. I, I don't know. So maybe that was an empathic experience of some kind. But yeah, I, I couldn't. Sounds handle. like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't deal with it. It was way too intimate. So anyway, that that takes care of my next question: How you handle these stimuli? So I have I have I have further questions. <laughs> I have questions. Um. So so there's I I want to take a take a few steps back. Um. You said a sentence that really struck that stuck out to me, which was the human side of your brain. What do you mean by that? I mean like the side that is taking in the you know television and you know is it receiving all of the human stuff that goes on in this day-to-day world mm-hmm. um my my teacher who i mentioned earlier isabel used to talk about um the dog and the mailman and you know the the spiritual side of your brain is the mailman trying to deliver the messages and the human side is the dog that you have to distract so the mailman can deliver the messages, <laughs> uh, you know, but there's there's so much noise from the world, you know, trying to plan for dinner and figure out what you have to do this week. And, you mm. know, you have this meeting coming up at work and like you have all of this stuff going on in the human world that the spiritual stuff can get lost if you don't find ways to quiet that mm. and allow the messages to come through. That is okay. a, that is a really interesting point. Um, a lot of uh, it, it's a, a lot of ancient sort of monastic type cultures, you know, whether Buddhist or early Christians or, or whatever. Their their whole thing um, was to go, just leave everything, go into a cave somewhere, and just kind of exist there. You know, there's a sort of poetic way you can think about it. It's like, oh, they're going away from society. They're doing all these things, but the reason that they that they all moved out there was because that's where the spiritual stuff was. It was on the outskirts of society because when you're inside of, of of sort of the concentric circles of civilization and order, it's like you're you're so obsessed with trying to order the rest of everything else that it's it's just it's it's taking up everything, and so you have to set aside time in in order to sort of commune with with you know the extra. If I don't want to say extra, that's not the right word for it. The the sort of um, hmm, man, language is trash. <laughs> Um, 
Hey, I'm an editor. I, go I appreciate your struggle, though. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's it's so hard to talk about this stuff sometimes because it can get so so esoteric, and you're trying to explain all these things with words, and then everybody talks past each other. But it, but essentially, the idea is that you you know you 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 step away from sort of the mundane stuff to deal with the other just as important, if not more important, aspect of life, which is the spiritual aspect of it. Because ev- everything has a, has a multiplicity of layers that all sort of are happening at the same time. And, and in order to participate in, in an activity completely, you have to be a participant in all the layers of that activity. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. I like the way you explain that. Yeah. Okay. That, so so uh, <laughs> before we get to our break, I'm going to ask a complicated question. Awesome. <laughs> 25 <laughs> words or less. So, so I, I, I think it's interesting that since you've you started sort of hanging around with us, um, your I don't want to say your experience of things changed, but how how things have come across has sort of changed a little bit in some cases it sounds like, and I might I might be wrong here. Um, I've been I've been working on this idea as as time has gone on because we have so many people who come on the show who tell us x y and z and then we experience an event and it's like we experience it as x y and z do you believe that there's there's obviously something happening otherwise we all wouldn't be in this field right right i i my my personal opinion is our subjective experience of that reality is is sort of how the event manifests almost and it, it's it's like you know as soon as you know we've had people write into the show um, that they were in you know they they're part of a different group or whatever and they they're like well we started viewing I started viewing it with your theories and then the event completely changed and now I didn't view it as oh I'm right I did at the time but now I'm thinking about it and I'm like oh I think this means something different I think perhaps it is that the human experience of the event is what we get out of it. Now I'm posing this right before our break, so now you got a chance to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> What's you can think about your opinion of it because right now we got to go to the break. But my question would be: um, Do you believe that the the subjective experience or the subjectivity of the person is is sort of influencing the experience? And so we should well, we should probably take our break. There we have it. <clears throat> You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on W O O N. 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back with our great guest, Valerie LaFaso, so stick with us. Hi, this is Nancy Phillips, the button chairperson for the Autumn Fest Committee. We thank everyone for their many years of supporting Autumn Fest and to let you know that this year's buttons are now available at local small businesses. The cost is still $1 per button, and you could win a cash prize of $500, $250, or $100. If you own a local business and would like a bucket of Autumn Fest buttons, please email me at buttons at autumnfest.org, and I look forward to seeing you at this year's Autumn Fest. Local and live at 99.5 FM. Well, uh, what are you what are you I'm, attempting to I'm do? I'm trying to play. <laughs> well, there we are. I'm going to start that again because well. it's so cool. <laughs> Hello, this is Travis Walton, and you're listening to Behind the Paranormal. Wow. 
Can you clean that up? Do you think? Well, Dad, there's anyway. a there's a little there's a little old adage in the audio industry, which is uh, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> Printing too. Anyway, and there's, welcome. There's, there's no winning. <laughs> welcome back to Behind the Paranormal on WOONAM and FM. That was a uh, an attempt by Travis Walton, the great uh, UFO experiencer, uh, recorded in Roswell, New Mexico, at the festival recently to say. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Benina, which you are. Anyway, well, well, thanks to Matt Moniz for getting that recording. He did, he did his best. I appreciate it, Matt. <laughs> anyway, Valerie, have you had a chance to think about Ben's question? I have, and that's a great, challenging question, so I appreciate that. Um, I definitely have to agree that people's preconceived notions can affect what they experience. Is it, I think it's the... Kind of reminds me of the double slit exper- experiment that I'm mm. sure you guys are, mm. are oh, familiar yeah. with. You know, depending on whether or not you're looking, the experience is different. Um, you know, and I, I don't know how to fix that. Um, or you is know, it, should I, it be fixed? I don't know. You know, I definitely try to go into any situation where I'm investigating with the least amount of information possible, you know, because I want to be as objective. You know, I don't want to hear the history of the location. I don't want to hear other people's experiences until after I have walked through and felt the energy, um, you know, because I don't want to fit what I am picking up on to somebody else's experiences. That's just what we do when we can. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and help somebody in New Zealand or somewhere. Obviously, you have to hear the stuff, but with some place we're going to go, we do exactly the same thing you do. Right. Yeah, and it's it's really challenging because people get so excited and they want to share their experience and mm-hmm. they want to convince you why you should go to where they want you to go. Um, but that's why we try to have, you know, more than one person involved in, in taking in a case so, you know, somebody like me can remain as objective as possible. Um, and then when I do go to a location, um, you know, I try to ask a lot of questions of my intuition to try to get as clear a picture as possible. But, you know, like you said, it, it's shifted over the years as I've learned more. Um, and I don't know which came first, the, the chicken or the egg. Was I not experiencing those things before or am I just now because I know about them? Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I think it's important to realize that, that we participate in the experience. We don't just have it happen, happen to us. You know? Right, yeah. It's it's not like a like a movie that happens to you. I mean, yeah. even then, you're still participating in it because it's it's a story, right? You know, and, and the story of the paranormal, which is why we tell ghost stories, is something we participate in. Yeah. So it's so the the only sort of common denominator that I can find really is that there's a pattern that happens. Right, that's that's sort of unbeknownst to us, and we're all sort of cogs in the wheel for it at some point, somewhere along the way, and then an event happens that we're all participating in, and we continue to participate in, and so it's the 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 amount of data points we have is like remarkably small, <laughs> and I, I think it's really important to keep that in mind, especially when it when it comes to you know, that's it's why it's why I appreciate your honesty, Valerie. It's um. It is it is really hard to remain objective in all of it because you, we want to be right, <laughs> and, and it's uh, yeah. especially me. I but it's at the same time it's like 
I don't know. The more the more I've I've kind of thought about this stuff and really kind of engaged with different different types of understanding of of not just the paranormal but other other portions of of um the world. You know, what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to to experience being human? What it, what is what does it mean to to think of, of spiritual stuff? And, and how does that affect our day to day life? Because I, I think here in the modern world, not even just the West anymore, it's kind of just the modern world now. You know, spirituality is just kind of tacked on at the end. It's an optional thing. You know, you go to work, you 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 come home, you do X, Y, and Z. And if you want to go to church, you want to go to meditation class, you know, whatever you want to do, it's tacked on at the end, and who cares? And and the rest of 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 our our sort of human story is treated like that. That's like, well, the the political, the mundane, all that stuff was on the forefront of our ancient mind of the ancient mind, and then you know everything else was just kind of tacked on at the end. And it's like, well, that's not really fair because that's not true. <laughs> and I think I think that's probably why there's sort of this this you know problem we have today of people just being incredibly depressed and anxious. You know, as as sort of time has gone on, we've lost so much of our our story. You know, and to, for convenience or for whatever reason, we've we've lost the human story. And I think the paranormal is really important because it interprets a part of it that um, has has been around forever, but it's just sort of tacked on, which it shouldn't be tacked on. No, Val, <coughs> Val <coughs> excuse me. Hmm. You are a UFO and ET experiencer as well. And yes. you wrote actually a very touching chapter that will be included in our book next year. Um, can you briefly talk about your experiences and how being an empath uh, affected them and whether ET interest in you was because you're an empath? In in my case, I do believe that um, <clears throat> I was visited because I am an empath, Um the experience happened to me when I was four, and I was with my father, who um, he passed away in 1997 before I was really involved in any of this stuff, but I believe he's also an empath. Um, so I don't want to give too much away because I want people to read, you know, the chapter in the book when it comes out. Mm. Um, but I can say that, you know, my experience happened in Derry, New Hampshire. Um, I was four years old. It was about 1980 or 81, I believe. Um, and there was a very unusual craft in the middle of the road that my father and I encountered. And the really fascinating thing for me is that he and I had very different experiences. He was afraid I was excited and curious, mm-hmm. yep. um, but I was four. I hadn't learned to be afraid of UFOs. My father, you know, was into science fiction. He read a lot of the books. He watched the TV shows. He was afraid, um, you know, and I, I think that's very, very interesting um, that, you know, he had all of this, you know, wisdom and experience and I didn't, and um, I think I took away a lot more from the experience than he did. I, I believe that, and I will be talking a little bit about this um, at the Exeter UFO Festival at the um, the end of the month mm. uh, or beginning of next month. Um, you know, I believe they enhanced. Uh, well, I don't want to say enhanced. I believe that they 
put things in motion to help me find ways to utilize being an empath to help other people. Hmm. Okay, yeah, you, you're, that was a spoiler. We were going to ask you what you're going to talk about at the festival. <laughs> we'll, we'll mention that again later. Now, you've dealt with just about every area of the paranormal and, and et cetera, and many spiritual areas as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, generally um, known that many people who undergo near-death experiences have a, uh, many, not all, but many have a spiritual transformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you encountered people who've had near-death experiences that have made them empaths or enhanced what they already had in that direction? Um, that's kind of a question out of left field. But. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think I've had any other empaths talk about near-death experiences. Um, the only person I know directly that has had a couple near-death experiences is my aunt, who is my father's sister. Um, but she wouldn't talk about them. She would admit hmm. that she had them, but she wouldn't talk about what happened. Um, so, and I believe she is, she's, I know she's intuitive. She may be an empath. I'm not quite sure um, about that. But I, you know, I think anything huge that happens in your life can set things in motion um, to get you on a different path or to get you on the path that maybe you should have been on, if that makes sense. No, that's I don't a very know. astute point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it would make you more empathic. It would just maybe awaken you to the fact that that's there and you need to focus a little bit more on it. We mentioned uh, children before in the sense of uh, generational manifestations of this sort of thing. Uh, the term indigo children has been around for quite some time. <clears throat> These are children. Ben doesn't know this, but I think he's one. Um, who've been around and, and are... are sort of have a natural uh, aptitude for uh, empathy or empathic, you know, psychic or whatever you want to call it. Have you found that um, indigo children's parents are, could be just anybody, ordinary folks, or are they people who themselves might have been indigo children before the concept uh, developed? Or because you were talking about how, how... People who are empathic uh, raise their children a little differently. Yeah, um, I definitely think it could go either way for indigo children. I think it's going to depend on the parents and the purpose that that child has in life because I think, you know, there's a lot of challenges that are set before us in life, and I think there are some parents out there who maybe are not, spiritually minded they may not have the natural tendencies but they need to be tested and challenged on how to manage a child who is um you know but i it does seem like a lot of the the more open children that i've encountered do have parents that are already open to spirituality Hmm. now what would you suggest for someone at any point in life who suddenly uh, becomes aware that they have gifts like you have. I mean, what, what, what would you say? And, you know, you, nine times out of ten, you don't have any support, and you don't know what it is. So how would you, what course would you take? Um, you know, I think there is a lot more support out there than there used to be. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of various groups you can find through, like, meetup.com is how we advertise a lot of our groups. And I know um, there are a lot of other spiritual-based meetups out there in various locations. So that's a good place to find like-minded people. Um, doing some Internet research, you know, there's a lot of resources out there. And not all of it's going to be good. Um, but, you know, trust your gut. Go with what resonates with you and walk away from things that don't resonate with you and just just explore just read you know listen to podcasts and and find people that you can talk to okay uh now we have two more questions from peter uh one of which anticipated one of mine which is how do you know what you're talking to uh <laughs> oh so ben peter. if you would Sure thing. Uh, oh, somehow you... There we go. Right at the bottom. I gotcha. Now, somehow it switched to your email, so I switched back over to Oh, they're coming for this. us. Yes, yes, we're arrested. And <laughs> anyway, uh, so Peter writes to us, when you sense uh, ET contact, how do you know they are ET? Um, the energy signature is very, very intense. Um, it's... I, I don't know how else to describe it. And, you know, Ben, you had talked a little bit about language before and how difficult it is to put this stuff into words. Mm. And that's always been my struggle. When when trying to describe feelings, it's so hard to put it into words. But it's just, it's unlike anything I had ever felt before when I first encountered them. Um, and I think some of it, does come from my own personal experience when I was four. Um, you know, it kind of gave me a foundation to to go off of. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry so about he that. so he continues to to say, are, "Are you seeing UFOs at the same time as you're um, experiencing this?" Not currently. Um, I right now the majority of the ETs that I encounter are my own spirit guides um but i i've not had a ufo encounter recently so then then his his second question is uh is there a metaphysical significance to your neck jewelry he's obviously watching the video feed which a lot of people (laughs) are not but valerie's wearing a very large uh, slowly but surely dad okay (laughs) oh Uh, go ahead valerie um it's an amber uh piece of amber um it you know amber I think is supposed to be good for the throat chakra so it's good for communication so doing something like this where I want to speak eloquently and clearly it's mm. good to wear something like this and it's all, not, I find it protective as well as long as you're not cloning dinosaurs or something like that. no amber well, was the basis there are of no bugs inside there we go <laughs> so so let's talk about the Exeter Day UFO Festival coming up Labor Day weekend, uh, the third and the fourth. The actual Labor Day is not included, but the weekend is Saturday and Sunday. And um, we're really looking forward to that. It hasn't taken place in two years, and it, it's uh, organized by the Kiwanis uh, Club, the, the uh, Exeter Area Kiwanis Club, to benefit local children's charities. So it is a wonderful event uh, for a great cause. And we just love it. I mean, you go and, you know, you, you, the, the local merchants are all involved along Main Street. They got all this, the uh, blow-up uh, ETs, you know, in the, in the bandstand there. And the, uh, they rename menu items after Roswell or Flying Saucers or something like that. I just think it's really wonderful. 
So we're going to be a, a number of great speakers. We can anticipate our, I guess, our... Uh, our, our sort of announcement here. Yeah, yeah I can. I'll, I'll help you with that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so besides besides you, Valerie, we have we have a bunch of people, including um, Ralph Blumenthal, uh, Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Jennifer Stein, uh, Bob Terrio, Mike Stevens, of course, uh, Lynn Nickerson, Mac Maloney, and and many 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 others. Yeah, one one and Captain Cobra along with Mac. Uh, <clears throat> this is going to be a great variety of subjects. And uh, could you tell us uh, once again what you'll be speaking about, Valerie? Yeah, my lecture is called Aliens in Our Backyard, and I'm going to be speaking on um, some ET UFO encounters that happened in the Derry, New Hampshire area, where I had my own experience, and how it relates to being an empath and what I think it means um, for society and the world. And you're speaking on Saturday? Saturday at 9 a.m. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, first yeah. thing. <laughs> well, yeah. The first one, that's always yep. tough because all the technical glitches uh, have to be resolved. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> well, I think Matt Moniz is going to be there uh, handling the uh, th- that aspect of it, and he's, he's a real professional with that, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, we're speaking uh, later in the day ourselves. I think we, we are um, uh, 12 to, uh, no, not 12, uh, 1 to 145, something like that. It's on the schedule. We I I'll let you know next week. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, we're talking about time storms. It's a funny term, but it was uh, coined by uh, the British researcher uh, Jenny Randalls, who started noticing all all these commonalities in various cases involving cryptids or UFOs or things of that kind that involve weather uh, and physical reactions of people when they were experiencing these things. And a number of... Um, things that indicated time slips and, and weird things that seem to be common to many different kinds of phenomena. And, and I thought that would be, it's seldom spoken about. So we're going to talk about a number of her cases and a number of ours where, where that uh, has taken place. Mm. So, um, and uh, the uh, website is uh, exeterufofestival.org, and it will give you the whole schedule of th- things of this kind. And uh, we'll be... Uh, uh, selling uh, our books uh, as usual in the little author's room there. The um, beautiful Exeter Town Hall, a very historic, is a place where that uh, the lecture series takes place. But also outside, our good friend Mike Stevens is going to be driving a bus, I guess, out to uh, the scene of the incident at Exeter, which we've done the shows on before. Uh, and uh, there's also the Betty and Barney Hill incident, which took place near there, and Kathy Martin will be one of the speakers, and she'll be uh, not necessarily talking about that case, but she'll be available to, to discuss it privately. And uh, so all sorts of wonderful things will be going on. There are children's activities. Uh, I believe there's an alien uh, parade involving pets that dress I was up. Gu- I was going to say, is the, is, the, is the pet costume contest still going to be a thing? Well, I hope so because you know they so. come into the author's room. You never know what you're going to see walking through that door. It's really, <laughs> really, really pretty cool. So, uh, Valerie, you have any uh, mm-hmm. further comments on that? Because uh, I know you you are involved uh, heavily yeah, as um, we are. Yeah, I'll be there all weekend. I'll have my Tangled Web of Friends books available for sale. Um, I'm also I've been working on putting together. A, um, a workbook for empaths to help them develop their intuition. Um, I was hoping to have it finished and printed for the festival, but that's unfortunately not going to happen. But I'll have a preview and more information on it there um, oh, so people cool can, t- can yeah. take a look at it. 
Well, we're really, really looking forward to seeing you there. Now, yeah, um, we have a, some more time, so I just wanted to get the festival all promoted yeah. there, too. <laughs> so, so Valerie, uh, what, what are the next steps for you in, in your work as an empathic medium, and where can people find out more? Um, so I am working on um, just kind of broadening my experiences. Um, one of the one of my areas of expertise seems to be working with physical spaces like houses and land. Um, so I have um, coming up. I'm going to be working with a realtor who has a property that um, is challenging to sell so I'm going to go in and see if I can do anything to help clear the energy to help it sell um, so that's one of one of the things I'm looking at at working on right now um, and I'm just always looking for opportunities to investigate and you know ask some of the questions of whatever energy is is in these locations um, so the best way probably right now to get a hold of me is through Facebook um, you can just search me on Facebook as Valerie Lofaso, author and empathic medium, and you should find my page that way. Now, one thing, too, and we haven't forgotten about this, but COVID kind of got in the way for a couple of years, was the um, uh, possible new flap area, as we call it, in uh, southern New Hampshire. And uh, we haven't forgotten about that. We, we are going to, uh, and we'll discuss it, I think, uh, when we're in Exeter with you. Okay. Uh, coming up and, and starting uh, an investigation there, which you've already actually started. Yes. So uh, really pretty interesting kind of case. So um, how, you still got a few more minutes, how common in your experience are empathic mediums? You know, like nine out you know, of ten people? or <laughs> I think more? there's way more of us out there than than we realize. I think there's a lot of, people awakening to this right now, you know, I think everything that's going on in our world, you know, all of, all of the challenges that we've faced over the last couple of years, you know, through the pandemic and, you know, politics and just everything that's been going on, I think is, is really challenging people to take a, a different look at their lives and where their priorities are. And I, I think that's, um, you know, setting people on a path to search, for why they feel the way they feel and they're finding their way to being an empath um, as the answer. And um, yeah, so I, I think they're, I think they're fairly common actually. Well, uh, we, uh, this is uh, unfair to ask this with about two, two minutes left, but uh, <clears throat> does uh, your particular ability extend to animals and are there animal empaths? I, well, this won't surprise you. I do believe cats are very empathic. Ooh, cats. Yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are, are both fans of cats. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do. I do believe that animals are very empathic. Um, you know, I think they experience the energy of the world on a very pure level and can communicate with it and interact with it in ways that we don't quite understand yet. Have you ever, oh, this is going to sound pretty weird, but have you ever, in a sense, worked with an animal in any kind um, of a case? In, in various ways. Um, I've had a lot of weird experiences with, with animals. Um, I've had a, I had a cat, um, he passed away a few years ago, that 
when I was in that half awake, half asleep state, he would talk to me in language that I could understand. <laughs> and mm. I would wake up going, wait a minute, I was just hearing you talking. <laughs> and it was very freaky. Um, animal spirits do come through on investigations. Um, not a lot, but occasionally. Um, usually if it's, you know, it's, it would be because they're very attached to a homeowner or something like that. Um, but I have also encountered Dogman, I guess, if we want to consider that an animal. Um, oh, I, Yeah. Well, oh, I wow. think it, I I think it was more of an elemental. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he was protecting the land of the location that mm. I was at. Um, very, very protective. Very intense energy. Interesting. Positive energy? As long as you're not messing with the land, yes. Yeah. Oh no, no. That that's we know all about guardians. You know, there's yeah. a there's a really there's a really fun sort of thing that I learned um, a few months ago that the uh, any in 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 ancient times, if there were ruins of a city, the uh, they would typically be considered haunted, and whatever the gods were of that city would be the ones haunting it. That was the the idea behind it. Hmm. So it's so I I think of that idea sometimes. And I'm like, oh, it's a really interesting way of thinking about it because it's like, oh, whatever was was being worshipped, quote unquote, there, you know, then ends up haunting it. Ironically, <laughs> I well, mean, if if the collective consciousness is putting that energy into that location, it wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. Let's introduce all of these concepts now. Three minutes left. <laughs> yeah, in the show. right. <laughs> Well, uh, the fodder for a future discussion. Yes. Yeah. Valerie, thanks for a great discussion. We'll look forward to seeing you in Exeter in a couple of weeks. And uh, there we are. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Always a pleasure. So we will... We've already talked about the Exeter UFO Festival, yep. but if, if you, if you want to hear about it again, um, it is returning uh, at the end of September at the Exeter New Hampshire Town Hall. Uh, that's over Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th. This is a great event, and the whole town gets involved, sponsored by the Exeter Area Kiwanis Club. We've already spoken about the speakers and such, um, and we've talked about all of our stuff that we're going to be doing there. And uh, you can also check it out at ExeterUFOFestival.org if you want more details, schedules, all that good stuff. And we're doing our show live from there on Sunday the 4th of September. So. As always. Yep. So visit our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find over 1,100 hours of our regular shows and special broadcasts since 2008 from CBS Radio, Achieve Radio, and here on WON AM and FM, including uh, shows that have been restored in the archives there, uh, and you can check those out. <clears throat> we also have a show app. It's free. doesn't do a lot, but, you know, it works. And uh, you can browse our books along with those of our guest co-hosts at our show website. And our website also has a charity page uh, with links to several good causes that we've adopted over the years, including Hope for Hilldale Cemetery in Haverhill, Massachusetts, USA Cares, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, Helping Haiti's Orphans, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, the Sisterhood of Ground Zero, and most recently, the Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. we got, we got to find the flood fund. Anyway, uh, so what are, we, what are we concocting for next week, Ben? Well... We have in the frying pan, stirring it around, putting some, some olive oil in there. Uh, on August 21st, we'll visit with Bigfoot in the Bridgewater Triangle with researcher John Horrigan. And you can send your questions and comments to paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Now, John is not a Bigfoot himself. He just found a few. So we leave you today with a thought from our favorite 13th century poet and theologian, Rumi. 
quote, the wound is the place where the light enters you, unquote. Well, we still have a, still have a few seconds. Well, it depends any... how serious the wound, I guess. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I get the point. Well, hey, you know, if if the if the light is antibiotics, we'll 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 work it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, 13th century. What are you going to do? That's herbal, true. Herbal medicine. And you are? I am Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.